I need to say that I'm very curious about this because <laughs> like don't know almost anything about it. But for sure we'll have fun as as we do actually on a day by We're day. We're gonna so, have fun. Yeah. Yes, we are going to have fun for sure in this episode of Lives of Tomorrow. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Carla Bazashi, and I'm the CEO of WGSN, the world's leading consumer insight and trend forecasting company. In this podcast, we're focusing on what our lives are going to look like in the future that waits for us just around the corner, our lives of tomorrow. And I'm going to be discussing with experts from around the world how all the trends and forecasts that we do here at WGSN will shape the way that you and I live our lives in the future. Now, in this particular episode, I'm going to be focusing on how life is changing for the people living in a very different part of the world from where I do. I'm making this introduction today from my house in the southern part of England, the New Forest, for anyone who knows Hampshire. Um, Normally, I'd be up in one of my step boys' rooms, which is where my kind of home office is set up. But at the moment, we've got some renovation work going on. So there's about four men clambering over my roof, hammering quite loudly, which doesn't make for the best backdrop uh, for a podcast. I'm down on my dining room table. But joining me today is a guest, a good friend of mine, a dear colleague, Daniela Dantes, who lives in Sao Paulo in Brazil. So I'm Daniela Dantes. I am Brazilian. I am based in Sao Paulo. I was born in Minas Gerais, which is another state in Brazil. I have been working for WGSN the last 12 years. So very big part of my life. I'm here. I have a son called Nico and... I am soon to be mother of two. So Alice is coming the next week, I guess, (laughs) maybe two weeks. And that's it. Well, that is not at all it. Daniela will be back in just a minute. I have to say, I'm so delighted to have Danny on the show today. And I'm really looking forward to hearing her perspective about how our lives of tomorrow will look from a Latin American perspective. Now, Daniela is the VP for Latin America for WGSN, and today she helps brands and businesses in that region build the best possible strategies to future-proof their businesses. But how did she get to where she is today? I asked Dani if there was a certain experience in her life, a pivotal moment that was important for her getting to where she is today. I guess it all started as a kid, honestly. Like, I have, my parents are divorced, and I used to get along very well with my dad. And when they divorced, he wasn't so happy about divorcing. My mom was more decided about it. And then I act a lot as a mediator between them. And I remember trying to understand both sides at the time. And I start doing that for my life. And I think I am curious about everything. So whenever you want to tell me stories, oh, so it's super easy for me to to have questions. And actually, I was like some years ago, I was thinking about, Danny, you need to make sure you're not seem very creepy because you're making a lot of questions for a lot of people. <laughs> so you need you really need to make sure that this is not awkward at all. So train and, and pay attention to your questions. So I think that there was the two things. So curiosity, which is something that I have since I was very little. And this ability to mediate two sides and to listen and to come up with a conclusion, I think this is something that 
actually helped me a lot within my career and my life in general. Normally at WGSN, we look at the big picture, the macro trends going on in the world to help brands and businesses future-proof their strategies. But in this podcast, I want to discuss what it means on a much more personal level, looking eye to eye with other humans. What does it all mean for you and me? And how will the changes in the coming years affect the way that we live our lives? I'm especially excited to be talking about this with people from other parts of the world from where I live. So back to Daniela. I asked her, what are the biggest changes going on in people's lives in Brazil at the moment? It's really hard not to be biased and not to be focused within my own perspective. But I, what, what I can see right now is that with people having more access to information, and I don't think, honestly, this is something happening only here, but it is happening here. I think with more access of information, people are, they know more stuff, which is good for one side because you have more information in order to take better steps and uh, better actions. But in the other side, people are anxious and Brazilians specifically, they are, we are a very friendly culture and somehow happy culture. But seeing that we are one of the most anxious people in the world, I guess this is something connected with the overload of information and a lot of things going on. And this is not something that is decreasing at all. It's something that is increasing, especially here in Brazil. It's quite fascinating because you are right. Whenever I come to Brazil, there's this amazing warmth from everybody you meet and when we talk to our Brazilian teams, they do tend to be a lot more positive than perhaps other areas in the world. So it is interesting. You've got the same kind of rises in anxiety that we're seeing elsewhere. And, and from the sounds of it, maybe even more uh, serious on that front. We are getting better as a world, I think, about talking about mental health and anxiety and issues like that. And therefore maybe more aware of people suffering from these things, which perhaps we wouldn't have been, but that overload of information that you hear the bad news, you see the bad news from all four corners of the world, no matter where you are. And it, you know it's very difficult not to be affected by all of those things. How do you think that will evolve in the future? So as we, as we look to coming years and decades, do you think that that overloading of information we will get better at dealing with or do you think this is just something that the horse has bolted? I don't know whether that translates very well, but we've now just got to come up with coping mechanisms rather than being able to kind of dampen down that, that deluge. Carla, I honestly think this is something contextual and it's not going to change. Of course, the way we deal with the overload of information, it's something that is going to evolve. It needs to evolve. And when you study consumer behavior, you understand that you need to have attention somehow so we can act on it and actually create something new. It can be a new behavior or a new tool or a new something that will help us to deal with this. So I believe we will develop, invent something that will help us to deal with this. And I think the rising of a lot of mental health tools, people talking about it, this is, it's actually a symptom of this context. 
So I don't believe this will change, but I do believe that we'll, ha we'll have more options on how we deal with it. You've sort of answered that, what I'm going to ask you next, within what you've just said. But are you mostly worried or mostly positive about how the future is going to look? You were asking something to a very... Uh, <laughs> Brazilian personality, but at the same time, I tend to be very realistic, sometimes conservative and not so much an optimist, which is something that is going to uh, bias my answer now. So I have a son, like five-year-old kid, and now I'm about to have a daughter. And being a woman in this world, right now, my answer to you is when I look at the future, I, I think... In one side, we, we have very good things. And I think when you look at very rationally how we evolved, I think we are in a better place, although we still have a lot of very bad things happening. But I am afraid of the future a little bit. I don't, I don't know if afraid is the right word to use it, but I think it's a word is not a good place, especially for kids, for teenagers, uh, when you are not full developed, you're head I think I think it's really hard and it's harder than it was when I was a teenager or when I was a kid so right now my my answer it's kind of blurred by maternity and motherhood but I guess I believe rationally we are in a better place but emotionally I I am a little bit afraid of what the future holds to be honest that was a really thoughtful answer, which is very nuanced because of Daniela's situation, but it does reflect how a lot of people are thinking right now. Before we get deeper into the lives of tomorrow from a Latin America perspective, I want to ask Daniela some quickfire questions that I want her immediate answers to. I'm going to be having these recurring questions for all my guests. So I fired away at Daniela and my first question was, why do you work? To learn. What makes you happy? Discovering something new. I would say learning, but it's not learning. It's discovering something new. I, it really makes me energized when I find something new. So that's it. Do you have a sense of purpose in your work? To improve myself and improve people around me. When are you offline? Never. <laughs> I am never. That's the, the true, honest answer. It's a scary answer, but I sympathize. When was the last time you felt you were wasting your time and you only had yourself to blame for it? Yesterday when I was looking at my Instagram and I couldn't be sleeping <laughs> or resting or reading or doing some so yesterday. And when are you the most creative? When I'm not overthinking. Fantastic. Let's get back into sort of where you are and the vantage point you have. How do you think the lives of those in Latin America will evolve differently in the future to elsewhere in the world? It's hard to compare, but I think in Latin America, we have, we still have a lot of poverty. We still have a lot of basic stuff that we need to improve a lot, but at the same time, the inequality and the gap between two sides, it's more polarized and it's also more evident that this gap is, is actually growing bigger because of 
a lot of stuff. And some of these things actually impacted not only Latin America, but outside of Latin America as well. But I believe now, I think we are in the middle of a transition. And maybe here I am being a little bit of optimist. But I guess uh, we have more, although we still have a lot of people that are very focused in, the, in their own bubble, I think somehow we have people that are seeing outside of the bubble and understanding that, okay, we need to treat poverty, we need to treat inequality, we need to treat inclusion differently. So I guess we are in, in this transition, but still, we are still very polarized. We are still talking a lot about this gap between rich and poor, but a lot of people still need to see uh, a little bit more. But I, I do believe that we are moving in the right direction, although we still have a lot of people that cannot see this yet. You are very passionate and have great, made great strides in terms of creating a more diverse team in Sao Paulo. And it's interesting hearing you talk about the wider world and then actually what you're doing in your little patch of it to try and make things better. Is that a, you know, talking about understanding people from different backgrounds and trying to, I guess, bridge that gap between polarized sections of society? Do you think that ensuring that you've got a good mix of different people within your team helps with that? And do you have advice for other people in terms of, I guess, creating a better future with those tactics in mind? So first of all, I think when I look at uh, how I want to see the world in the future, and in the future can be one year ahead, 10 years ahead, 30 years ahead, I want to see more diverse world. And I think we actually, we live in a diverse world, but most of the times we don't see this diversity because we live in our own bubbles that it is very lookalikes. So I think what, what, what is something that we are doing here that is helping me personally a lot to learn? It's actually to open the perspective and actually in investing in diversity and inclusion. I'll give you a very recent example. Yesterday, we had a session here about the minorities and how can we act better to include minorities in our daily work. So I think this type of things and starting by having a diverse team and really making this happen. It's something that it's going to change the day by day work and how people deal with it and how people will learn on how to deal with this. One of the reasons with these conversations that I'm having and will be having in the future that's really important to me is this kind of bridge between work and life because in this day and age, the two are so blurred and I think we can learn a lot from projects that we undertake at work that can help us in our personal lives and vice versa. And I think this is a great example that within the workplace, it's a real hot topic about how you become more diverse organizations. But we need to think about that in our personal lives as well. And when I was growing up, my parents were voracious readers, which is probably why I uh, loved reading so much. And so every weekend when we got the papers, my dad would walk to the, the newsagent to get the newspapers and he'd always get one left-wing newspaper, one right-wing newspaper that were broadsheets. And then there'd be a kind of guest tabloid that would go in there as well. So there'd be three papers for us to read. And 
he did that because he wanted us to see different opinions about news, about politics, about entertainment, because it's very easy in the kind of echo chambers that we exist to only see or read opinions of people who agree with us or who we agree with. And there's a lot of talk in this day and age that that's social media is to blame for that. But it's not just social media. Media through history has often led to the same biases that we have. And I do think it's important all the time to challenge our thinking because you need to be prepared for all eventual outcomes. And if you think about the big political changes that have taken place in the world in the just the last couple of years in terms of presidents in countries like yours and in the US or Brexit here in the UK, people being surprised about results because they just weren't understanding how other people were living their lives and what other people thought. Definitely. I think this is something that I think when you have the conscious that you probably will not be able not to be biased. It's something that it, it's hard to deal with because especially when you try not to be biased, when you try having different perspectives. But I think the first step, it's actually being aware of how easy it is to look for something that will confirm what you think. So it's easy. And this is about human nature. We, we want to belong we need to belong. We need to feel that we are part of something. And I think part of feeling that it's actually thinking alike. So I think unconsciously, you, we look for people that think similar to us. And this is part of the problem. And being aware that, that as human beings, we are like that. So you need to fight against it. So again, it is not something that is automatic to find. It's actually very uncomfortable to listen to people that think very different, different from you or to even dialogue with people that you don't think they have a good opinion about something. It's hard because sometimes you feel like they're being they're not being nice or whatever, but understanding that, okay, First of all, this person, it's different from me and I need to have this researcher mindset here. I need to listen so I will be able to at least try to understand why and where this person is coming from. But I think understanding this as human beings, we are biased. We, are, we have our own perspectives and we want to belong and this will make us look for something that it's going to say yes, yes to everything we think. It's something that is the beginning of doing something different. And, it's, and, I, and I loved your example that uh, your dad did, because I think this is something of uh, improving and developing your critical thinking. And that's something I believe that we need to invest on. You said something in there. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. I'll tell you why in a second. But it's about if we want to evolve the future you said something in there about being uncomfortable. Now, I've just got a Peloton. I'm a little bit late to the party here. As someone who runs a trend forecasting company, I really should be like hot on these new trends really early on. But I, <laughs> I tend to be more kind of ju just past the innovators. Anyway, I've just got a Peloton and and obsessed with it as everyone is when they first get one. And then I probably will fall out of love with it in a week's time. But anyway, one of the instructors was saying during a class that I did the other morning, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Now, obviously, they were talking about 
cycling very, very fast on a fixed bike. But when they said it, I thought there's something really in that about our lives. And if we want to evolve and we want to create better futures, we have got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And you said almost the same thing in the middle of that, which is really interesting. Yeah. And this is something actually that happens all the time, right? Even when you change jobs, when you have new relationships, it is uncomfortable to start again to learn from the beginning. But again, it's so rich that uh, everyone should do it more, I think. In my last episode, I was speaking to Alison Rees uh, from the WGS and Insight team, and we talked about a new potential divide opening up in the future. And it was essentially this idea that the pandemic has changed so much, and a lot of that has been working practices. Lots of people working from home, But the fact was there are lots of people who couldn't work from home because the jobs that they needed to do, and in many cases, jobs that were crucially needed to keep countries moving, required them to be in workplaces, whether that was hospitals or schools or uh, or similar. And as she's looking to the future, she can see this creating a real kind of class divide between those that are able to work from wherever because that kind of job is uh, can be done from wherever and the jobs which can't be and essentially you're creating like a new white collar and blue collar workers of yesteryear but in this future world the kind of the ones who are tethered to a place and those that aren't can you can you see examples of that already happening in your part of the world and what kind of impact do you think that's going to have on the way we live our lives For sure. This is something that happens all the time here. And I think the pandemic made a lot of these type of things very clear on about privileges, because being able to work from home, although we see as uh, something that is very important to offer and we talk about the future of work being hybrid or something like this, we are really talking about a small part of the population. And here in Brazil, I'll talk about Brazil, only not Latin America, although I know that it can be very similar, but the service culture is really strong. And when we have this type of culture here, you see very clearly that we have a lot of differences and we need to understand, okay, what's the future of work? for people that are working in the offices and what's the future of work for the people that works providing services for for different people like how can we evolve to build a better conditions and better work to these people i think this is important so i think this that's the first step of us acknowledging that we need to look abroad and this is something that definitely ha- happens here as well Okay. Thank you so much uh, for talking to me, especially when babies due literally any minute. Are there any other recurring questions that you would be fascinated to hear from people in this space? I think what I what I'm really energized for is it's about the new stuff, learning something new, going to new places, meeting people, understanding something that I didn't before. So I guess Asking, like, what did you learn that transformed you somehow recently? What changed after you learned that? It's something that can be really nice to hear. I love that. That was a brilliant question. Okay, we're going to add that to the list. Uh, Danny, thank you so much. 
I think this might be our last conversation before you disappear on maternity leave. So if it is, good luck. I can't wait to meet her (laughs) on my next trip. Or maybe we'll lure you over here with the family. But thank you so much for your really considered answers. It's been a pleasure talking to you as always. And that's it for now. Thank you so much to Daniela Dantes, VP for WGSN in Latin America, for talking about the lives of tomorrow with me today. Do let me know what you think about this podcast and the direction that you want it to be going in. You can write to me on lives at wgsn.com to give me your input. And do stay tuned. A new episode will be with you very shortly about how we all live our lives of tomorrow. I'm Carla Bazashi, CEO of WGSN, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.